Hello everyone, my name is Brian Sparks and I'm the lead pastor at One Church in Texas. This is the One Church Podcast. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. I pray that this message encourages you and that in our time together you encounter Jesus and that your life will never be the same. Uh, Luke 10 verse 19 says, listen carefully. Someone someone tell your neighbor, say listen up. Come on, tell the, uh, your second choice, say you better listen carefully. Tell, tell the person behind you, listen carefully. Tell the person ahead of you, just tap them on the shoulder, say, hey, you better listen carefully. Listen carefully. I have given, this is Jesus talking, I have given you authority that you now possess. Not that you'll one day possess, not someday, not in the sweet by and by, but in the nasty now and now that now you possess it, to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy. In case you don't know who your enemy is, it is Satan. And nothing will in any way harm you. If you're taking notes today, you can title today's message, I'm Taking It Back. I'm taking it back. Lord, right now, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear a word from uh, you. Lord, they did not come to hear a word from me. Lord, speak through me. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody who believed it said, amen, amen. I'm taking it back. You know, when I was about 10 years old, uh, we lived in Graham, Texas, and uh, I remember waking up one morning uh, to a, a lot of, uh, like, adults talking in the living room, and it was pretty early in the morning, and I, I remember thinking, like, this is kind of odd that that the adults are kind of, you know, because you know how, how many of y'all know, like, everybody's quiet until they've had a couple of cups of coffee, right? Like, nobody gets excited about anything, and 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 the adults were all excited. They were talking about something, and, and, and my uh, lovely aunt was there, and, and, and so it was about 10 decibels higher than anything else, and so I was trying to figure out what was going on, and I leaned in to the conversation, and I realized through the conversation that uh, someone in the middle of the night had broken into our house. Uh, they had broken into our house, stole uh, uh, quite a bit of stuff. They stole some stuff from our house. And and, and I'll just say this, that if you've ever ha- had something stolen from you, uh, it's it sucks, right? Like, it, there, it's a bummer. You're sitting back and you're like, man, I can't believe that somebody stole. Maybe you had uh, something stolen out of your car or you had something stolen out of your yard. Uh, but, but it's a whole nother level uh, when somebody breaks into your house in the middle of the night with you there and they steal something from you. Like, they're, they're, it's a whole nut, because, like, not only did they steal from you, but they invaded your privacy and your space. Like, you, you're sound asleep, resting peacefully in your bed, and Creepy Dave is walking through your house, stealing your stuff. Like, like, there's something about that that's kind of off-putting, and, and I, actually, my wife did not know this for a lot of years that we'd ever been broken into, and all of a sudden, it made sense to her why I have to go around the house and check every lock before I go to bed. Anybody else out here? Like, I've got to check locks two or three times, and she's, it's funny, because I will even get in bed, and I'll be laying in bed, and I'll be like, I know, I know, I watched the garage door close. I know I did. I know I saw it, because I, I got to watch it. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, I've 
I've got to watch it actually, because you know how those garage doors, they're creepy. All of a sudden, they'll just boom, bump right back up, and now you got to open garage. So I know I saw it close, but there's something in me that makes me get up and go and check to make sure the garage door is closed. And I would say this, that most of us know that we have an obligation to protect our stuff, and we have safeguards in place to protect our stuff, to protect our home, to protect our kids, to protect our spouses. We have locks that we make sure that are locked. We have alarm systems that will go off if an intruder comes in. Uh, we have cameras set up in, in place so that if anybody comes that's not wanted, uh, we will have camera footage of them. We have dogs that will bark if somebody comes in. Some dogs are more useful than others. My dog is useless. Uh, but, but we have dogs that will protect us. And come on, in the great state of Texas, we got guns. And the truth is, is that we all know, like, we have these safeguards in place to protect us from an intruder. But there are so many Christians in the world today that have no spiritual safeguards in place. And so day after day and night after night, there's a real enemy, a real devil. The Bible says this, that he goes around seeking whom he may devour. And so in the middle of the night, you're leaving your doors unlocked. You're leaving your, your, your spiritual doors unlocked, I should say. You're leaving your home unlocked and you're leaving it all, your family unlocked and everything is open. And the enemy keeps coming in day after day and night after night and week after week and month after month and he's stealing your peace, he's stealing your joy, he's stealing your uh, your fruitfulness, he's stealing your relationships, he's stealing stuff from you and no and you're not taking any authority over it. But I want you to know that God has given you authority. The Bible says all authority I have given to you and you now possess it. Not one day, not someday, but you possess it right now. Can I tell you that our God God did not leave us defenseless against an enemy, but he has given us authority over the enemy, that we have the ability and the power to take it back. But too many Christians are walking around letting the enemy steal whatever he wants, take whatever he wants. And today I want you to know that it's time to fight back. It's time to take a stand and it's time to take whatever the enemy has stolen back from the enemy. In 1 Samuel, we read about a, a great man of God, uh, David, and most of us know David for killing Goliath, but David is leading this mighty men uh, of valor. In fact, he's got these 600 men that he leads, and and, and uh, David is an incredible, like, I, I don't know about you, but if I knew that somebody's name was mighty men of valor, I don't know about you, but I ain't messing with that group, Right? Like I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess with like the nerd crew. I ain't messing with the mighty men of valor, right? Like I want, I want guys that like Star Wars. Uh, sorry, it's third service. Anything can happen in third service. That was not said in first two, so. But, but here they are, they're on their way back, they're riding back into their town, and they notice smoke billowing uh, on the hilltops, and they realize that their homes have been raided, and their homes have been invaded, and when they get to their hometown, they realize that the, an enemy has come in and robbed them, and, and, and actually taken their families, and taken their possessions, and taken their homes, and they, 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 they set their homes on fire, and these, here these men are, they find, they're great men uh, of valor, and they find themselves 
themselves in a place where things have been stolen from them. And we'll read in 1 Samuel 30, verse 4, and we're going to skip to verse 6. It says, Then David and the men, uh, when they saw that everything had been stolen, they lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Can I just tell you that it's okay in times of loss to weep in times of loss. It's okay to weep in times of hardship. It's okay to realize that something has been stolen from you. It does not make you less of a person to realize that, man, I'm going to weep over this loss. I'm going to mourn over this loss. But here's the thing. David was greatly distressed for the men spoke of stoning him because the souls of them were all bitterly grieved. Now, hold up. Wait a minute. Here David is, he's, he's had, he's, he's just doing his thing and all of a sudden these men that were once for him have now turned against him and they're talking about stoning him. Now I'll just say that David has just suffered loss. David has been stolen from too. It's not like David's possessions are all over in the corner, perfectly fine and perfectly safe and everything, his, his kids are there and everything's good. Like that's not what's going on. Like he has been stolen from too. He has been robbed from too. And, and, And here they are, they're talking about killing David for what has happened to them. And I begin to ask myself this question, why in the world would they automatically turn on their leader? Why would they turn on the man of God? Why would they turn? Because here's the thing, is that in times of hardship and in times of devastation, we are always looking for someone to blame. Like you're looking at the first person that you can point your finger at when something goes wrong in your life. You're looking, who can I blame? And so we end up blaming the wrong people. We end up blaming our spouse. We end up blaming our kids. We end up blaming our boss. We end up blaming our pastor. We end up blaming the government. It ain't the government's fault. The government's been jacked up for years. Come on, we end up blaming everybody. And sometimes we even go so far as to blame God. God, why did you let this happen? God, why didn't you fix this? God, why didn't you do? And then if we can't find anybody to blame, sometimes we just turn around and blame ourselves. Well, if I would have done better, if I would have paid more attention, if I I would have been, can I just tell you that nobody wins when we play the blame game? There's nobody that wins. There's nobody that wins when you're pointing fingers and you're blaming people. You, you don't have to blame, because I'll just say, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So can I tell you that there is a real devil, and he is a real enemy, and, and the, he comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. Nobody wins when we play the blame game. And listen, it goes on to say that, but David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Can I tell you something, church? You better learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. You better learn how to build yourself up in the Lord your God. You've got to learn. Like it's one, you're here on a Sunday and that's great. But can I tell you that the enemy comes in in the midnight hour, in your darkest hour, when everybody's asleep in the house and he begins to try to rob your peace. He begins to try to rob your joy. He begins to try to rob you over and over again. And Pastor Brian is not going to be there to preach in your living room. I'll just say the worship team, as incredible as they are, they're not showing up to, to lead worship for you in your darkest hour. There's no keyboard player 
player that's going to come on when you begin to pray and, and make you sound holier than you really are. You've got to learn to encourage yourself and build yourself up in the Lord. So when the enemy comes in, you say, no, I'm not going to take this devil. Can I tell you that one, a thousand may fall at one side and 10,000 at my right hand, but no evil shall befall me and no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. You stand on your feet and you begin to say, I will look to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, my God. And the Bible says this, that you cannot have my health, that God has already given me health and wellness in the name of Jesus. And so right now I understand and I proclaim that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I am healed. You cannot steal it. You cannot have it. It belongs to me. You're, that's his faith preaching. You're dang right it's faith preaching. How else are you going to live? The Bible says the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. I don't walk around looking and talking about my feelings. I walk around standing on the written word of God. It's time to take it back, church. David didn't strengthen himself with Facebook. He didn't strengthen himself with a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. He didn't strengthen himself with another bottle of wine. Am I getting close? The Bible says that he strengthened himself in the Lord. That he built himself up in the Lord. Can I ask you, in times of trouble, in times of stress, in times of anxiety, where do you run? Do you find yourself running to the refrigerator or to the wine cabinet or to social media? Or do you find yourself running to the word of God and say, God, I thank you that I find help in you. That my authority is built on your word. And I'll just say that when you learn to encourage yourself, to strengthen yourself, something happens, you get up on the inside. Come on, and when you get up on the inside, there's nothing that can hold you down on the outside. The Bible says that he is our stand-up and he is our recovery. Come on, can I tell you that when Jesus stands up on the inside of me, there's nothing that can keep me down on the outside. 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Can I, can I just say this, that I love that David encouraged himself. David strengthened himself in the Lord. And listen, then David asked God, what do I do? Again, I go back to where do you run in times of trouble? Well, all I can do is pray. What? Well, I guess all we can do is pray now. What? Like, like we run to God. In times of trouble. And so he says this, shall I overtake them? The Lord answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. I love this because David asked God about the situation and God tells him, don't worry. He doesn't say, don't worry, David, I'll just bring it all back to you. Don't worry about it. You just kick your feet up. You relax. You take it easy. I'll get it all back to you. No, God tells David, I want you to go back and I want you to take it all back. And I'll just say this, that some of you are waiting on God to bring you something that he's given the, you the authority to take back. 
Some of you are waiting on your peace to come back to you. You're waiting on your joy to come back to you. And God is saying this, I've already given you the authority. It's, it's, I'm not going to bring it to you. You're going to have to take it back. You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to go after it. First Samuel 30, 16 and 19, it says this, when he brought David down, the Amalekites had disbanded and spread over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Can I just tell you that the enemy may be dancing today, but he won't be dancing tomorrow. The enemy may think that he won today, but he won't because I'm telling you right now, some of you are going to leave with some tools in your hand and you're going to realize that you have a battle to fight, that you have a battle to win. And, and I just declare right now in the name of Jesus that some of you are going to walk out of here and realize that you have the authority in Jesus Christ to take back what the enemy has stolen. Then David and his men struck them down in battle from twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them escaped except for uh, four. 400 young men who rode camels and fled. So David recovered all. Somebody say all. Somebody say all like you mean it. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and rescued his two wives. I don't know why he wants two wives. I can barely handle one. Nothing of theirs was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David recovered it all. Somebody say it all. See, can I tell you that David didn't bring back some things. He didn't bring back a couple of things. He didn't settle for just a little bit. He didn't leave a coffee mug. He didn't leave a shirt. He didn't leave his favorite candle. He, let, he took everything back. And I'll just tell you this, that it's time for the church to rise up and realize that we have authority over the devil, that we can take everything back. I don't have to settle back. I don't have to settle for some of my health. I don't have to settle for some of my finances. I can take it all back. I don't have to settle for a kind of a healthy marriage. I can take everything back in the name of Jesus. I'll just tell this, you this right now, that God wants you to take it all back, to get it all back, but you're going to have to fight for it. Notice this, that it says this, that he fought for 24 hours. Well, I prayed once, brother, and it just didn't happen. I guess it wasn't the Lord's will. Some of you are going to have to contend in prayer. You're going to have to stand and you're going to have to fight and it's going to take some time and you're going to have to keep fighting and you're going to have to keep standing and you're going to have to keep believing. Fight for it. Three things we see the enemy came to steal from them and, he, and I think he still is trying to steal it from us today. You'll notice that he steals, amen. You notice that he steals their peace, he steals their possessions and he steals their people. The first thing you need to see is, he, is stolen peace. Can I just tell you that the enemy is working overtime to steal your peace? He's trying to make you anxious. He's trying to make you stressed. He's trying to make you worried. He's trying to do everything that he can to steal your peace. In fact, I'll say this, that the, actually research shows that we are the most anxious and stressed generation in history. And, and some of you are so worried and so stressed, you can't sleep at night. In fact, you, when everybody else is asleep, you get up, you find yourself waking up in the middle of the night and you're pacing the floor wondering, what am I going to do? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if, what, what, 
what if, what if this turns out this way? And what you don't realize is that you're leaving the door wide open for the enemy to come in and steal your peace. And I'm telling you right now that you're going to have to start taking your peace back. And you're going to say, no, I'm not going to stay up. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be anxious about this because God has given me peace. All peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, but, but my peace I leave with you. Gotta, you got to start understanding the authority that God has given you in his word. If God didn't give you a spirit of fear, that means that every fearful thought is from the enemy. Well, what do you mean, God? 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. I'll read it slower for those in the back. For God has not, but of power, come on somebody, and of love, and of a sound mind. God does not want you to have a distorted mind. He wants you to have a sound mind. So if God did not give you a spirit of fear, that means that every fearful thought is from the enemy. And I'll just let you know that fear tolerated is faith contaminated. You keep entertaining fear long enough, and eventually you'll start thinking, man, there's a big devil and a small God. And all along, you got it wrong. Because we serve a big God and there's a small devil. Don't you let the enemy come in and uh, contaminate your fear or your faith with fear. And every one of us struggle with fearful thoughts. But you have a choice if you're going to entertain those thoughts or you're going to reject those thoughts. You get a choice. You get a choice. Can I just say that if you show up to my house, it does not matter if you were invited or uninvited. I have the power to decide if I'm going to let you into my house or I'm not going to let you into my house. You can show up and I can just decide, you know what? I don't want you here. I don't, I don't, I don't want you in my house. I didn't invite you in my house and I don't want you in my house. Come on, have you ever had somebody knock on the door and you didn't expect it? Then you... Shh, everybody. Everybody get down. Shh, turn the TV, mute the TV. Mute the TV! Shut the dog up, shut the dog up! Cars in the driveway, garage door wide open. They know you're there. Shh, everybody be quiet, be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet, shh. Why? Because if I don't want you there, you're not getting in. If I don't want you there, you're not getting in. And I'll just say this, that some of you, every time the enemy comes in and gives you a thought and knocks on your door, you're opening the door and saying, come on in. And so he brings thoughts that aren't peaceful. He brings thoughts that aren't joyful. He brings thoughts that aren't of God. And you're, you, keep, you keep entertaining those thoughts and letting them rule your life. Again, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. God would not tell you to do something you can't do. I got to go on. Number two, stolen possessions. The Bible says this, that the enemy came in and took things that did not belong to him. And some of you have had some things stolen from you. You've had money stolen from you. You've had dreams stolen from you. You've had jobs stolen from you. 
The enemy has stolen your possessions. The enemy has stolen from you, and you need to know that you have the authority to take it back. Not one thing that the devil stole do you have to be without. But I'll say this, that some of you didn't have anything stolen from you. You gave it away. In fact, some of you opened your wallet and you spent money that you didn't have. And now you're trying to rebuke the devourer. You need to be rebuking Amazon. You need to be rebuking that car that you couldn't afford that's sitting in your driveway. But I look good in it. Why do you want to look good for people that don't even like you? You went, on a, you went on a vacation that you couldn't afford. You put it on a credit card, and now you haven't paid 18% in interest. You've been paying on it for five years. Well, I deserved it, Pastor. No, you didn't. If you can't afford it, you didn't deserve it. You know what? If you can't afford a vacation, what you deserve is eating beanie weenies in the backyard. It's paid for. Come on. Some of you, the greatest, the most spiritual thing that you could do to take back what the enemy has stole from you is go home and cut up every credit card you got and set up some accountability to stop shopping online. Okay, let me just go after the guys. Set up some accountability to stop buying car parts every time you see one on sale. Some of you need to go home and do some plastic surgery. And I'm not talking about lifting and tucking. I'm talking about cutting it up. Proverbs 1, 3 through 7. Where'd I go? There is one who pretends to be rich, yet has nothing at all. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. I'll just say this. In our society, there are three kinds of people. The haves, the have-nots, and the have not paid for it yet. Which category do you fall into? Number three, stolen people. You had to fight for their relationships. The way the devil steals relationships today is he sows seeds of misunderstanding, he sows seeds of offense, and he sows seeds of blame. And again, Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. You're not fighting who you think you're fighting. And the devil loves to bring division into our relationship. In fact, I'll say this. He's working overtime. He wants to divide you from your spouse. Can I just say this? I just said this about, about your money. I'm going to say this. Some of you, the most spiritual thing that you can do for your marriage is to get into marriage counseling. He wants to divide you from your kids. He wants to divide you from your friends. He wants to divide you from your church. He wants you to get offended. He wants you to get bitter. He wants you to get angry. You know that there's over 45,000 Christian denominations in the world today? And almost every one of them were started because of disagreements. They separated. Well, I, I, don't, I, I don't believe this, and so I'm just going to remove myself from you. We cannot be blind to an enemy that is trying to divide us. Some of you are going through some stuff right now, and you need to wake up and realize it's the enemy that's coming against you and your spouse. The enemy that's coming against you and your kids. Come on, the enemy that's coming against you and your coworkers. So now that we know that the enemy is stealing from us, what do we do? Number one, we take authority. You got to take authority. 
Romans 16, 20, it says this, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Notice it doesn't say under your neighbor's feet. It doesn't say under your spouse's feet. It doesn't say under your pastor's feet. It doesn't say under your worship leader's feet. It doesn't say under the man of God's feet. It doesn't say under the priest's feet. It says under your feet. Can I tell you that God has given you the authority to crush the head of the Satan? And as Christians, you need to know that you have authority over the devil. He is under your feet. As Christians, you don't just need to know your identity in Christ. You need to know your authority in Christ. That I am a child of the Most High God. How dare you come against me? How dare you raise your head against me? When the devil comes against my kids, I take authority in the name of Jesus. And I tell you, devil, you can't have my kids. I don't care who you think you, you cannot have my kids. I, I declare right now that the, the word of God says that my kids will serve the, the Lord, their God, all the days of their life. When he comes against your marriage, no, the Bible says, let no man separate what God has joined together. And so I declare that we're going to have a healthy, when he comes against my health, I can tell, I can tell the enemy, know that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I am healed. I don't have to receive sickness and I don't have to receive disease. Whatever it is, the devil comes against, I can stand and I can take authority and I can fight back. Number two, we go on the attack. David did not wait for the enemy to come to him. He went to the enemy. So you go after and you fight. You know, back in the day, we used to sing a song called, I went to the enemy's camp. Anybody remember that? Well, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Anybody? Come on, white people, you got this. He's under my feet. He's under my, right? And the reason why is because we knew back then that we have to take back what the devil has stolen. But now then we've raised a bunch of people in churches today that thinks they get to sit around and talk about their feelings and cry about what the enemy has stolen and sit around a campfire and sing Kumbaya, my Lord, and think everything is going to come back to them. Can I tell you that God has created a warrior on the inside of you, not to sit around and talk about it, but to go and take it back. So when you need to rise up and say, you know what, I'm going to take back what the enemy has stolen from me. I'm going to, I'm going to, some of you need to go home and you need to write down the things that have been stolen from you. You need to write down everything that the enemy has stolen from you. You need, you don't just need to go to Whataburger and eat a good burger and then go home and then a week later go, man, that sure was a good pa message pastor preached. What did he talk about? I don't know. It was good though. No, you need to write down what the enemy has stolen from you. This is a tool and you need to put the devil on notice that I'm not going to sit by and let you steal and rob anymore, but I'm taking it back. Some of you, come on, you need to, you need to, before you go to bed tonight, you need to do a prayer, a, a prayer march around your house and say, in the name of Jesus, I declare right now that everything in my house is protected, that the enemy cannot come in. Come on, you need to take authority. Stop letting the enemy come in and steal your joy. Stop letting him come in and steal your hope. Stop letting him come in and steal your health. You take authority in the name of Jesus and say, God, I'm taking back my joy. I'm taking back my peace. I'm taking back my possession. I'm taking back my marriage. I'm taking it back. Last thing, David didn't do it alone. He had people in his corner that went with him. He had people in his corner that fought for him. 
And I'll say this, that you may come in today and you think that you're alone, but you're not alone. In fact, you can look to your right and you can look to your left. You can look to your right and overflow and your left and overflow. And I'm telling you that we are here to fight for you. We're here to stand. The Bible says if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000. That math doesn't make sense to anyone but God. But I'm telling you that if, if to any two touch anything agreeing, it shall be done for him. And some of you, you need a community group, but some of you can't even wait for a community group because you're going through hell on earth right now. And I just want you to know at the end of this service, we're going to have prayer partners and some of you need to go up and you need to get the prayer of agreement. You need somebody to stand in faith and believe God that you're taking back whatever it is. Maybe yours, your health, your peace, your marriage. Come on, some of you married people, you need to get down here and you say, no, I'm going to fight for my marriage. I'm tired of the devil wreaking havoc on my marriage. You need to stand and you need to fight. You need people in your life to link arms with and fight and take back what the enemy has stolen from you. As we were driving to church today, I, it, was, it was crazy because Crystal and I were, uh, we, it was sunny skies at my house. Everything was beautiful at my house. And we're driving down 1565 and we're kind of getting close to the church. And all of a sudden there's like this band of dark clouds. Like, and it was like we passed from light to darkness. And, and I was praying about it like God, because sometimes I just ask God, what does this mean? And I'm, I'm passing over. And as I was praying before second service, I was praying. And I just felt like God saying this, that I'm giving my people the tools to reverse it. And some of you feel like you've been driving in dark season for a long time. You've been going through a hard time in your marriage for a long time. You've been going through a hard time with your kid. For You've been battling things uh, in your health for a long time. And it feels like you're driving into darkness constantly. And I just declare right now that now that you're going to leave with the tools to know that you have the authority. And, and, and I just feel like God is saying this. It's time to do a U-turn. And now all of a sudden, you're not going to be do- driving into darkness anymore. But you're going to be driving into the light. You're going to be driving into joy. You're going to be driving into peace. And so right now in the name of Jesus. Come on. If you, if you, if you believe this word and you, you're declaring it over your homes and over yourself and over your family, I want you to stand on your feet right where you are. And Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we take authority over every attack of the enemy. We put the devil on notice that we are not standing by letting him rob our children, letting him rob our homes any longer. But right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we say we're taking back our joy. We're taking back our peace. We're taking back our Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you gave us the tools to fight the enemy. And right now we declare that as a people of God and as children of God, we are fighting for what belongs to us. Not one thing, not one thing that the enemy has stolen will not be brought back to your children and your people. Lord, I just declare right now, Lord, if you're, if you're in this place and you're married, Lord, I thank you for strengthening marriage. Lord, I thank you that we're going to fight for our marriage. Come on, if you got your kids near you, grab a hold of them. Lord, right now, I thank you that you're, 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 uh, you're, Lord, that you're binding uh, families together where the enemy has come in and tried to divide families. We take authority in the name of Jesus and we say, devil, you cannot have our families in Jesus' name. You cannot have our marriages in Jesus' name. You cannot have our friendships in Jesus' name. We were and Lord right now for every person that finds themselves in financial hardship right now Lord I just declare that what the enemy has stolen he must repay sevenfold 
Lord, I just declare it's coming back in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can be seated right where you are. Maybe you're in this place, you say, Brian, I don't know Jesus. I've never asked him into my heart. I've never asked him to be the Lord of my life. Today, I want to. Today, I want to make that decision. Maybe you're here and you say, Brian, I prayed that prayer. I've asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, but I'm not living like it. I've walked away from my relationship with Jesus. Can I tell you, friend, that God's not mad at you, that he loves you? If you say, Brian, that's me. I need Jesus in my life for the first time, or I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you walk down to the front. But I am going to ask you to be bold enough wherever you are just to slip your hand up right where you're at. We're going to count to three. When I count to three, whenever I hit three, I just want you to slip your hand up. I just want to know who I'm praying for. You say, Brian, that's me. I need Jesus in my life for the first time. One. Brian, today I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Two. Brian, will you pray that prayer with me? Three. Just wherever you are, you can boldly slip your hand up and see those hands. See those hands. God loves you, friend. Today's fresh start, a new beginning. I see that hand. God loves you. Can we pray this prayer together as a church family? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Take my sin. And by your grace, I take your righteousness. I make you the Lord of my life. I give you all that I am. I hold nothing back. In Jesus' name. And everybody who believed it said, Amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up for every person that prayed that prayer? Come on, church. I think you can do a little better than that. Give it up for every person that prayed that prayer. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or you rededicated your life to Jesus today, can I tell you, we're celebrating with you. And we want to continue to celebrate with you. If you would do us a favor and pull out your phones and text the keyword DECIDED to 903-634-7135. Again, that's DECIDED to 903-634-7135. We want to celebrate what God has begun in your life. We're not going to stalk you. Uh, we, want to, we want to make sure you have everything you need as you continue in this incredible journey of faith. And if you need a Bible, we want to get a Bible in your hand because it, the Word of God is powerful. Amen. We love you so much. Have an awesome week. Thank you so much for listening to this message. A special thanks to those who give generously to One Church. It's because of you that lives are being impacted all over the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit subscribe for more messages like this. Share this with a friend, post it on social media, and be sure to tag us at I Am One Church. Thanks again for listening.